Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. All right, Lisa, I know we talk about guilt quite often, and uh, so I, I pretty much, I think I know the answer to this. How well do you know guilt? <laughs> or do I do guilt? <laughs> <laughs> I know I know guilt very well. I do guilt very well. I do it very well, thank you for asking. <laughs> I think if you're especially if you're a mom, yes. I think it comes to the territory. You just you absorb that. You just do guilt. Yes. Because it's either you have guilt over what you did or what you didn't do. Well, it's it's interesting because I just did guilt very well with my fifteen year old. Yesterday was her birthday. And I was running around, you know, kept thinking, I will make that happen later. And my other daughter actually came home with all these helium balloons. She decorated, you know, my 15-year-old's door with balloons and pictures and photos. She went and got cupcakes. And I thought, okay, how sad is that? She didn't even call me to say, will you be doing this? She just did it for me. And on one hand, I was just this, you know, pouring out the love to the older daughter going, thank you for, for doing that. And then on the other hand, I did guilt. Really I'm a well. loser. I'm a loser. <laughs> so yes, yes, I, I do guilt well. Yes. Okay. Well, speaking of guilt, we're going to do a little bit of guilt, but we're going to try to have a guilt-free show there we go. as we go on. So before we get too far into our guilt-free show, we just want to remind you that you're listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriendit.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Well, today we have a very interesting show as we are talking a little bit about mothering and the guilt that we carry. And like you said, hopefully we're going to be guilt-free because we have Hetty Britz. She is a wife, mother, speaker, and author. And during all of her travels with her husband, Hetty has become fascinated by the various approaches to parenting that they've encountered around the world. And it's enlarged her perspective. And, uh, okay, so I use my hands quite often, and you can't see this on radio, but if you could see that Lisa is mocking me with all of my expressive hands, I just have to add that in there on, uh, on us talking about guilt. So <laughs> I will guilt her into keeping it's her guilt mocking. guilt-free, guilt-free. <laughs> keeping her mocking to a limit. But her first three parenting books, Growing Kids with Character, Growing Kids Through Healthy Authority, and Cultivating Compassionate Discipline plan but her latest one is called unnatural mom and that's her first book to be released in the united states she was a former speech hearing and language pathologist she also co-developed the tall tree profile and the evergreen parenting i want to hear more about that yes yes 
And this tall trees profiling um, is all in the area of parenting. So we definitely want to hear more from Hetty. So welcome. How are you well, today? Well, and one minor detail, the reason why her latest book has been printed, the first one in the United States, is Hetty is from South Africa. Yes, that yes. is good to know. <laughs> that would make I sense. Said, like, Hetty, why are you I, I not producing <laughs> I'm trying to jump in here, but I'm so glad you set it up so people will understand the funny accent and why that is. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. I will say it's not a funny accent to us. I love South African accents. It's just beautiful. So, And you actually reside in Pretoria, South Africa, which it's been in the news a little bit in, in recent years, but um, I, the accents are amazing. It gives you so much credibility. So. <laughs> Thank you so much. Speak it with pride, girl. <laughs> if we ever stop talking long enough for you to be able to speak. <laughs> so tell us a little bit of your story, Hattie. Are you still um, obviously there in South Africa? And um, what brought you to where you're writing these, this personality profiling for mom? Well, yes, I, I'm touring in the States right now. We were here for three months with husband and kids. But... Um, I, I've been born and raised in South Africa. The, the personality interest started when I had a major crash with my youngest daughter. She was only two and a half at the time, but nothing I said worked. Nothing I did seemed to to register as love with her. I could see she was unhappy. She was incredibly stubborn. So I decided to take her to a play therapist to assess her and came back to me and said, she's not the problem. There's nothing wrong with her. And the two of you never bonded because of the, the personality crash. And she put a book in my hand and she added a bit of insult to injury by saying, the reason your daughter is acting the way she is is she's not sure if you want to be your mom. Do you? Mm. And and that was not the first time I got this message of you're an unnatural mom. There are things you're supposed to do that you're not doing. But I read the book about the temperament and I realized that I was loving her my way and it wasn't working. Mm. And she gave me homework and once I started doing that and I saw the change in the relationship, I realized the validity of personality as a God-given design that needs to be respected and nurtured. Hmm. It's so true. And, you know, as we're saying this, because we both are moms and then I have some grandkids and as you're just, there are distinct personalities and, and you, you're absolutely right. What works, you know, what works for one child does not work for the other one. And it really is significant to become a student of your child. And like you said, and learn, you know, because we speak our language and that is not always heard and responded to. So you become a student of your, of your daughter and then, so what is, what, what is your learning curve on this? Was this all new stuff? And then you, you just started seeing her respond, like, appropriately, going, she really does love me. <laughs> and she finally responded with, oh, I think mommy likes me after all. <laughs> she wants to be my mom. But um, understanding my own personality finally helped me realize why, even though I loved my daughter and even though I wanted kids, um, Parenting sat really uncomfortably with me for especially the first few years. And once I started learning about my own personality and my own design, I figured out, okay, I am that person who wants to get things done and have something to prove, you know, for all the hours I put in that day. But all I had, you know, was a dirty house and a pile of diapers and, you know, and, and to come to terms with the fact that some people really need to work hard 
is find fulfillment in motherhood. Um, initially, I was ashamed um, to admit that to myself. It didn't seem very spiritual to say, God gave me this baby, but it's not all I've ever dreamed of, and it's not fulfilling every need every day, and I'm not completely content. You know, it's especially, I think, in a Christian environment, it's a tough thing to admit. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's so... Uh, you know, just appreciate you verbalizing these things. Because I think at some point we all feel this way and you're like, okay, this is not exactly what I thought. And I thought this would fill this hole and I'm not sure about this. And, and I, I, you know, we're afraid a lot of times to say it out loud or admit it to ourselves because we feel, you know, it goes back to that guilt and I feel unloving as a mom, but we got to be real with these feelings and, and mm-hmm. just go, so how do I learn from this? How do I, how do I love more completely? And what do I, what is maybe God trying to teach me about myself too through this? Well, and also mm-hmm. just in judging those around you, I know, you know, depending on the culture uh, and, and I'm interested because you've traveled all over to see the different cultures and the way that moms are raising their children. But if you are in a culture where the guilt is put on you if you aren't staying at mm-hmm. home. Perhaps you're not homeschooling because you just simply don't have the capacity to do that. Mm-hmm. And yet exactly. it's so horrible if, if you choose to, you know, work and then you're trying to justify that, okay, I want to work. Plus I want to be able to be an amazing mom. And I feel like God has called me into this area to work, how do you, you know, you have to shut down all those outside voices and truly listen to what God is saying to you rather than um, what everybody else and their feelings about it. And there, it, it, it comes across kind of judgy. We all have a way of how we should be parenting. So we just have a couple minutes before we go on to our commercial break, Hetty. How how did you see in these all these different cultures of how they were raising their children that made you go, okay, I need to put this in writing <laughs> so we can know that we're all doing something different? Well, I, I saw myths at play. I could see that the, the idea of a super mom is a cultural myth. It's not a universal truth. It's, it's really not the truth. And every culture has its own way of depicting the ultimate mom. For instance, in, in the Ukraine, the ultimate mom, the natural mom, the super mom, is the mom who can have her babies potty trained by 10 months. And they do this um, through reading the fine uh, verbal and nonverbal signs of their babies. And if you're that mom who's clueless and doesn't know when number two or number one is happening, then you're a terrible mom. So that's that's an absolute benchmark, is not having diapers on your kids by age 10, uh, 10 months, and being able to tell exactly what their needs are. I mean, I would have I would have failed that test. Because even now, I don't always know what my kids are, yeah. are up to and what their needs are, and they're teens by now. So Honey, did you say 18 months? Did you say potty training? Uh, yeah. Okay, okay wow. 10 months, 9 months, 10 months at the latest. Um, and the way they do this involves processes that we in the West would regard as downright cruel. Mm-hmm. Um, if a mom tried to do this in our culture, we would say she's abusive. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can be so uh, diverse in different cultures that it's worth 
worthwhile for us to make sure that if it's not in the Bible, it's not the gospel for mom. You know, if it's not something that's absolutely based in scripture, such as I have yet to find a verse that that says how long we need to breastfeed, that says how many kids we're supposed to have, that says how far away we should space them, etc. But somehow we make a lot of those things into laws and measurements for for even even spirituality, not just motherhood. You know, you're absolutely right. This is uh, very fascinating. Just talking about even the cultural differences and just the differences in personalities and family types. And we tend to put people in, you know, the same box. But we're going to take a break right now. Stop this conversation. We're going to come back and continue this conversation and our guilt-free show. You're listening to Girlfriend at Radio. This is Girlfriended on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. Harvard Medical School reports that four out of five Americans are plagued with a debilitating and sometimes excruciating low back pain at some point in their lives. Strengthening your core is one of the best ways to prevent low back pain. Your core muscles are often referred to as your powerhouse because almost all the movements of your body engage your core. A strong core stabilizes your back as well as enhancing your balance. A sturdy, flexible core fortifies almost everything that you do and helps prevent falls and injuries during sports and other activities. To keep low back pain absent from your body, concentrate on exercises that strengthen your core. Live healthy, strong, and pain-free. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. If you're a fan of Fitness Minute, like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. and author Hetty Britz. And she wants moms to find hope and encouragement. And in her latest book, Unnatural Mom, Why Are You the Perfect Mom for Your Kids? And Hetty, we just went into a commercial break talking about some of those natural mothering myths um, that you also have in your book as well. But going back to what are some more, I, I find it so interesting. You mentioned that in the Ukraine, 
uh, you have to potty train your baby by at least eight months. That that just I can't even comprehend that, which is so interesting. <laughs> I do find it it's funny because I know even um, breastfeeding. You know, here in America, if you go over a certain time, you're just look. You know, you look like the freak that. Why would you continue to do that? And yet you go to Africa and, you know, you can do four or five years and nobody blinks an eye at that. So it's funny what we, what we put on our, our moms. So what are, what are some more myths that you see? Well, the, the first myth that, um, that makes a mom, mom uncomfortable even before she is a mother is the myth that all moms will be naturally maternal. And we'll want to be, we'll want to have kids as early as possible. Um, when it's not like that for you, there are a lot of question marks about even your womanhood. And then the myth is that if you are a normal, healthy, natural mom, that you will fall pregnant naturally, give birth naturally. I mean, if, if you want judgment heaped on you, opt for a cesarean, you know, choose it, <laughs> even if you could have a baby normally. And um, we often look at these choices moms make not to fall pregnant, um, to, to adopt. I mean, I know of moms who adopt even though they can have kids of their own, in it, uh, but that's what God, you know, led them into. So there's always so much going on behind the choices mothers make that we should um, take into consideration. I remember when I stopped breastfeeding my son, when I finally got the breastfeeding thing right, a lot of people judged me for it, but what they didn't know was that I was wearing a wig at the time because I had suddenly uh, had, had alopecia and my hair was falling out, and the only way I could get treatment for it was to take medication that made it impossible to breastfeed. Um, you know, so I could pick either have no hair ever come back or breastfeed my baby. It's a tough choice. Life is tough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I, and I like what you're saying. We try, we try to put motherhood or womanhood in a box and we try to go, this is what it looks like. And so then, then there's those that fit and don't fit. And most of the time we don't fit. And, and then I think it's highlighted by social media because we are posting things, you know, timelines, my baby did this, or my child's doing this, or I'm doing this. And then we naturally compare ourselves mm -hmm. or our children to others. And usually we don't measure up. And so it, it just becomes this, you know, self-defeating spiral that goes down. So I think, you know, just to address this and go, this is okay. It is okay that you don't do certain things at a certain time. It is okay because you're uniquely made and your child is uniquely made and, and wired. And it's like what works for your family and for you guys and being learning to be okay with that. But I think that's, that's really hard for us as women to learn to be okay because we want to take on the guilt and we want to keep comparing. And you wrote about in your unnatural mom, you, uh, you talk about like kind of the personality, the character, the category categories that you put this in let's address that a little bit because a lot of times our temperaments and our personalities really do have a huge role in all of this i absolutely do i see it every time we do a workshop we do the profiles beforehand and then we we purposely 
put the moms in groups with other moms of the same species, if you would, you know, who are going to think the way they do and, and make the decisions they're likely to make. And suddenly when I have discussions in these groups, they go, oh, my goodness, I am normal. Uh, these women think like me. They have the same thoughts, they have the same challenges, they have the same joys in motherhood, the same values are important to them. I didn't know that it that it has everything to do with personality or a lot to do with it. So that that's it, that aha relief moment of I'm not the only one who, who operates this way is huge for moms. Um, and, and that is why we want them to, to do the free profile and get the feeling of, oh, what I see here is, is something that exists in other moms. And, and the key thing is not to look at the things that um, – you wish you were, but to discover all of the beautiful things you uniquely reflect uh, of God's heart and of what is important to Him to your kids, because there's a design in there. We are matched up with our with our children for a purpose. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, but you know, it's one thing to know this stuff, and it's another thing to practice it and to to internalize it. How do you? Yeah. How do you guide women into that to go not to taking it from the head and putting it in the heart? Yeah, we make it very practical for them. We literally give them these bullet points to tell them these are the things you should you should embrace. They are like uh, affirmations you can say. For instance, let's take the example of a palm tree mom. This is a very happy-go-lucky mom. She loves parenting. She she has a child in her that'll never grow up. So she plays. She hugs. She encourages. She's a little loud, maybe. Some of the moms feel you know she should be. Paying more attention to discipline and routine, and she should get her, you know, her act together on certain fronts. But this is the fun mom. Now she can honestly say this. She can say, "I've never crushed a childhood dream. I have never told myself that there is something that's beyond their imagination. They can reach whatever they can dream of." This is a mom who has always brought joy to her family. She has never gotten stuck in the small stuff and on and on and on it goes. So every kind of mom has this. She has unique things that she does beautifully that she can proudly own. And then we also give her step-by-step ideas on how she can coach people around her to help her be a natural mom. Um, We give her the words she can say. I can say, please help me be more natural by not putting me in a strict routine, by giving me advance warning if that's your personality type. That's usually the box with moms. So every mom gets a set of things she can ask her children, her husband, her support system um, to to help her be the best mom she can be. And we're also very realistic about the fact that she may need to grow. So we give her the script to say to her kids, I know I'm not always everything you need. I have had to look at my kids and say, you know what, I do forget your heart. And I look at your room, and and your heart is more important than the tidiness of your room. Will you please forgive me? Mm -hmm. And it's as practical as that sometimes, uh, just to understand my high standards can hurt my kids, or my low standards can hurt my kids, whichever way it goes. And once we understand that even in spite of those so-called weaknesses in each temperament, God will not allow a mom to mess up her child's life irreparably. He just doesn't do that. He gives us kids, and we have a massive impact in their lives. But he ultimately holds our children's future in his hands. Mm. And, and that, to me, is my encouragement. Every now and then I say to my kids, I have hurt you, but I have not destroyed you. 
um, I owe you an apology, but please look to the Lord, because you still have the same future you always had in spite of what I've messed up right now. Mm. And I think that's where we, a lot of times we look back and we go like, gosh, I missed that, or I didn't do that, or, um, and we, and then we focus on that instead of a lot of times the things that we really did well and that really do matter. And it's, it's, yeah. it's kind of unlearning and relearning really what to focus on and really what matters and what is lasting with our, with our children. You made a comment. And it says, every unnatural mom needs to crack in order to become a supernatural mom. Can you explain that a little bit? Because that's, that's a cool, that's a cool statement. That is. Yes. What, what happens with us is we have strengths in our personality type that when they are taken to the extreme, they become a vice. For instance, um, something like high standards. High standards are a good thing. God loves excellence, and uh, we can have it too. But then, it can it can harm our kids. And and the cracking of a mom happens when she realizes, I have taken my natural personality too far, and I'm going to need the Lord to come and to come and help me with this. And that cracking is not the cracking where I say, I'm an awful mom. I shouldn't have had these kids. It's a cracking where I say, I'm going to need more from the Lord. Because I, with my design and my gifts and, and my failures, I am not enough for my child. I was never meant to be enough. My child will always need other people, other mentors, other examples, and the Lord to fully grow into adulthood. So tracking is essentially waving the white flag and saying, Lord, I'm going to stop being the super mom. I'm ready to be supernatural, which means I say I, I need your help. Um, and it, uh, when we speak to moms, it's usually really funny when you ask them, what was that moment when you realized um, this isn't something you can do yourself? And the, the happy-go-lucky moms will tell you, it's when I had that serious child who, who found disaster in every small thing, and I just couldn't deal with it anymore. Or you talk to the, to the really serious mom, and she'll tell you, God gave me this child who makes a joke out of everything. That's what pushed me over the edge. They can just never be serious and focused and, and get their work done. So God uses the personality clashes often to bring us to the end of ourselves. And it's painful, but it's beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. It's like the vessels of clay that Paul speaks about. And, and there's a treasure inside, but it can only ever really leak out when the vessel breaks. Hetty? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> the, I thought I lost you. <laughs> yeah, I think we'd have been, well, we only have like a minute until the end of the show. First of all, you're delightful. And the, the information you're giving is so encouraging and inspiring to moms, you know, no matter where they fall on the spectrum and just understanding our kids. So how do our listeners uh, find you and find your book and find the encouragement that you have to offer? Yes, they can, uh, they can find the book on Amazon. It's in most bookstores that I've seen here. It's a David C. Cook publication, so they can also look on the David C. Cook site. And they can follow me on Facebook at Hetty Brits Author. That is the English site. Otherwise, they're going to run in, into a lot of Afrikaans. So Hetty Brits Author, that's where I will understand you and you will understand me. And then I have a website, hettybrits.com, where people can listen to podcasts, read some articles, and connect with me. Awesome. Thank you for joining our show and just sharing your journey and your experiences. You're delightful. This is Girlfriend at Radio. We'll be right back with our next guest. 
This is Girlfriended on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one of a kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. And you wiggle your ears? Studies suggest that only 10 to 20% of humans are able to wiggle their ears. That's pretty ostrobogulous. Ostrobogulous is another word for bizarre or unusual. Of course, many animals have the ability to independently turn their ears in the direction of a sound by using their auricular muscles. In humans, ear wiggling is thought to be more of a vestigial feature, meaning it was once a useful trait of our ancient ancestors, but not needed anymore. Some people can't stop wiggling their ears. This rare moving ear syndrome is known as dyskinesia. This can be a pretty embarrassing condition, especially if you are macrotus or have big ears. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Excited for our next guest, Michelle Parker, who leads and serves the other church planners' wives in the ministry of Bloom to connect, empower, and lead. Bloom empowers women to maximize their role in starting churches, and they are also under the umbrella of Stadia, which transforms lives and communities through church planting and plants churches that intentionally care for children. And I love, they say, they won't stop until every child has a church. Well, Michelle Parker is a lover of change, newness, and fixing what ain't working. She's an author, speaker, and musician. In 2012, her and her husband, David, planted Summit Life, a faith community in Sedona, Arizona. And if you've ever been to Sedona, you just definitely don't feel sorry for people who live up there because it's (laughs) breathtakingly beautiful. And she currently serves as a project manager for Stadia Church Planting Network, where she helps pastors all over the country launch healthy, effective churches. Michelle homeschools her crazy fun crew of three kids and has been happily married to her rock star husband for 24 years. Welcome, Michelle. How are you today? I'm good. How are you guys? We are doing great. And I have to ask you, Michelle, I would like to know when your three kids were potty trained. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, ironically, I had a girlfriend. um, You're going to think this is ridiculous, but I had a girlfriend who taught me um, how to potty train my children early. So all of my kids were potty trained before they were two. (laughs) 
Okay, you're an overachiever. <laughs> I it, I know. I didn't even want to say it just after what Hetty had to say, but I'm like, oh. I know. I know. We were like, our jaws were open going, eight months? Holy cow. Yes. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I can't even comprehend truly how you would do that at eight months. I mean, you you, you just, they can't even walk. So I know. I don't know how they can tell you. It, it, it's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty supernatural. <laughs> if you ask me. <laughs> Um, okay, so Patty, you was talking about we were talking a little bit as you heard listening about culture and how culture affects a lot of areas in our lives, especially parenting and things. And you know, you're living up in beautiful Sedona, Arizona, which is Red Rocks. And it's interesting because anytime anybody visits Arizona, they always either they generally go to Sedona and Scottsdale. Those are the two places you already hear. So you're in you're in one of them. But mm-hmm. with Sedona it's a very interesting culture. Um, it's kind of been labeled like the new age capital. And, you know, people go up there um, for various reasons, you know, meditate and take in the rocks and the red rocks Their and everything. Vortex experience. Their vortex. And, and so as we're talking about doing church planting and talking about cultural differences, that has got to be a challenge. Can you can you talk to us a little bit about you guys? You guys go there. It, it yes, it's beautiful, but it's a different culture. Yeah, it def- definitely is. We came from the Midwest, so uh, I grew up a Midwest girl, uh, married a Midwest boy, and we pastored a church in north of Chicago. So we spent a good bulk of our married and parenting life in the Midwest, and then in 2012. You know, God clearly called us out to Sedona, a place that we'd actually never even heard of. And we began learning a new culture and trying to um, help our kids walk in that, um, to learn how to rub shoulders with people that were, you know, they're completely different. They think differently. They live differently. Um, they practice life differently. Um, and it's just, it has been um, a big learning curve for not only David and I, but for our children to learn to embrace people that are different, um, that practice different religions, different faith practices. And, and I think the most difficult thing is just demonstrating grace. Um, being, and I hate to use the word tolerant, you know, in our faith because um, it, it has a bad label. But there is a balance between loving people well um, so that Jesus can love them well. And so I've been trying to teach our kids how to do that, and um, it's been a struggle. Mm-hmm. And so do you, do you find in this culture of, you know, kind of the the mecca of New Age that quite a few of their friends uh, um, are very New Agey and, you know, don't want to hear what you have to say about Jesus. Have they struggled with that or? Um, most definitely. I mean, um, our kids are homeschooled, not, you know, not because of necessarily just because of our faith, but um, just lifestyle reasons, honestly. Um, but yeah, they get there. Are, there's a very small percentage of Christian um, children in Sedona Um especially in our high schools. Um, I'd heard my uh, daughter just share a story about her best friend who goes to the high school here and um, being um, persecuted and mocked in her class two days ago for her faith. And so my kids have had to learn to 
love their faith more, I think, than they ever have um, to not be ashamed um, of, of their beliefs, but also being able to sit, you know, at the same table with somebody who has never heard um, of the one true God. That's it. We have to refer to God the Father that way on a Sunday morning um, to people. That's different. You don't have to do that in the Midwest, you know. Uh, if you're talking about gods or worshiping false gods in the Midwest, it's money and time. But here in Sedona, we really are talking about false gods. So we have to be really, really clear about that. Um, and my, our kids have learned that. So they've learned this language of how to communicate their faith, how to explain which God they serve and worship. They've had to um, learn, you know, um, how to be sensitive in mm-hmm. communication and not use um, Christianese. Really um, gotten away from those terms. We don't use the word church much. Mm-hmm. Not because it's a bad word. It's, it's a beautiful word. The church is beautiful. But in this context, if we want to reach lost people, if we want to be able to um, connect with them and do life with them, we have to begin to create a different language and expression that they're willing to embrace. And so my children have had to learn that as well. Um, over the last four years, you know, it's probably been the toughest time on our marriage. And our kids have had to watch mom and dad you know, struggle and wrestle through um, some of those things. Um, And, you know, I could feel guilty about that process, Mm -hmm. but I don't. I think it's been really good for them to watch Mm -hmm. mom and dad in their strengths and in their weak moments. Okay, so we're going to go back to I feel I can feel guilty about that because we were talking about guilt-free. And yet we definitely grab on to the the guilt. And, And we know that... We need to release that over to the Lord, but it's it's easy to have those moments, days, months of, of holding on to it. So where would you say that you do have those, you know, that emotion of just, oh, man, I feel so guilty here? Um, today is my 19-year-old son's birthday. Oh, <laughs> so I thought birthday. The story was, was priceless at the beginning of the show as well about um, the 15-year-old and the older daughter bringing cupcakes. And I went, yeah, I could relate to that totally. My older one is 20, and uh, it, it's funny because that's just her personality. But I, I, I do want to also ask you, Matthew being 19, is, is he in college or is he – he went to college last year to pursue a certificate in biblical knowledge, so we have not ruined the child. He still loves Jesus um, and <laughs> feels called to, and feels called into church planting, um, which is amazing after four years of watching us, you know, really just work so hard and wrestle through the process. That's, it, it's just an example of God's grace, you know, mm-hmm. and how he truly does protect our children. Like Hetty said, he has them in the palm of his hand. He knows the future um, and that no matter what mom and dad do, whether good or bad sometimes, you know, um, he is so faithful. And so I couldn't be more proud of my son today um, for the choices that he's making, for the journey that he's on. Um, and honestly, I can't be more proud of the mistakes that he's made um, mm-hmm. because they, I tell him all the time that they're just a part of your story, you know, and you'll use those for God's glory. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it is, it, and I think it's, it's been probably, I can only imagine what a, a learning experience 
to try to, it's one thing for us to learn how to navigate cultural change and just learning, I mean, just starting a church anywhere in the best case circumstances or leading a church anywhere in the best case is challenging at best. And then to go into a completely different culture and to start something new, and it's a culture you're not familiar with, and then helping to navigate your kids through that, um, that's a lot at one time. Mm-hmm. And it and, you know, just kudos to you for, like, your, like you said, your children still like the church, <laughs> still want a church. Yeah. That says a lot because they have learned and transitioned with you guys. And that's that's pretty huge. And I think, you know, we're all trying to navigate, you know, through changes, um, not always cultural changes. But, like, I love, you know, you said we've had to learn how to use certain words, just even the terminologies and how – when we say a certain word, it's heard differently. When like you're talking about the word church, and that's not a word that will that will totally turn somebody else off. But yet, you know, there's probably people listening going, why wouldn't you say church? And so it is learning what's appropriate and learning your culture and the other people. We tend to speak our own language and don't understand why they don't get it. Yeah. Well, we have um, two minutes here, Michelle, before we take a commercial break. What would be a tip to our listeners, and especially with your insight uh, on homeschooling, to be able to to kind of release that guilt when you have those emotions of, you know, just feeling like you're just doing a horrible job as a parent? <laughs> um, I would love to say I'm an expert at this, but I probably am not. Um, but I think for me, the best thing that I can do um, to release guilt that I'm harboring um, or even guilt that maybe my kids are harboring is that David and I try our best to model apology. So if I do something, my kids have heard me time and time again say, uh, I'm sorry, I-, I was out of line. Um, but that transparency, that vulnerability with my kids um, I think is going to carry more weight in the long term and how they parent and how they love others um, than anything else. And I'm not, I'm not perfect at it, but I, but I believe in it and I try to practice it. Um, it's an apology. Yeah. And it's learning how to admit that. And I think like you said, that, that transcends huge with our kids. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back and continue talking about this and um, just, you know, learning so much about culture and about families and about personalities. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Girlfriended on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. 
For more information, go to stadia.cc. Join us every Monday at 10 a.m. Central for the Johnny Rowland News, Guns, and Motorsports Radio Show with commentary about current events, guns, shooting, and firearms issues, automotive and motorsports features, and special music presentations. Johnny is recognized as an international firearms authority and ballistic engineer, as well as an accomplished and widely recognized automotive designer and longtime TV and radio host. This program draws on Johnny's experience in shooting, motorsports, and as a professional entertainer musician. Don't miss Johnny Roland News, Guns, and Motorsports. Infotainment at its best. Trust us on this one. It's a fun show. Every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Central, right here on the Toginet Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Chatting with our guest Michelle Parker, who leads and serves with other church planners' wives in the ministry of Bloom to connect, empower, and lead. And Michelle, we um, have just been enjoying your conversation of what you're doing there or here, I should say, in Sedona, Arizona. Uh, that you are a lover of change and newness. And as we're talking about guilt and going into motherhood, how much of that? you know, going into motherhood was a change for you? Uh, Did it come natural to you or was it something that you thought, what did I get myself into here? Um, I think it was somewhat natural. And at the same time, I don't think it's natural for anyone. I mean, (laughs) you know, nowhere does it tell us uh, how to raise our children and how to do this or that. So definitely um, a learning curve for me and one of the things probably wrestled with the most early on is wanting to do everything absolutely right you know Um, there and there's no absolute right to anything in parenting Um, we you know that was talked about earlier just in different personalities and so I I think I wrestled with that um, early on um, I wanted to prove to everybody that I was a super mom, mm-hmm. that it did come natural to naturally to me, and I didn't want anybody to see me, you know, in my weakest moments um, as a young mom. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, Lisa's daughter just had a precious little baby boy, and we went over there to babysit. And first of all, like not a good thing to put both of us together in a babysitting situation and think our kids would know that, but they haven't figured that one out. But me being the all knowing, cause I have, I definitely have it all figured out. I just want you to know. <laughs> and, uh, There's no guilt with this woman. Let me just tell you. Uh, um, anyway, I, she has this, uh, the room is decorated like over the top and there's this big, huge safety pin on her wall and that's what it's called, right? Safety yeah. pins that you do the day. The decor. Yeah, the decor. And so, you know, back when we were, you know, doing the 
um, breastfeeding, you would take the safety pin and move it from one side of your garment to the next side so you know, you know, make sure we're even here. (laughs) And so me being all-knowing, I started to tell Amy, Lisa's daughter, hey, I wish I was better at at doing that whole nursing thing. I think you preface it, but I have a great tip for you. (laughs) If I do recall, <laughs> so the look on her face, she just stared at me and she goes, you know, there's an app for that. So all I have to do is put it in. And this app was just something that out of, you know, the, the Jetsons, it, it basically did the nursing for you. And, uh, she definitely did. She did not need my tip of the uh, safety pen. First of all, I don't think she owned one. It was a decor. <laughs> Um, item and so yeah it was so funny and but what it's always so funny when Patty does these things is she's so confident you know Amy I have a great tip for you <laughs> and we're all just waiting for it and then it rolls out and you're like uh huh okay well or we could do an app you know whatever so we're yeah. not putting holes in our clothing <laughs> whatever so, if that works for you then I guess you know use your silly app but it, it, it is interesting because I I can't even imagine as a new mom today with Pinterest and, you know, like Lisa said, with social media, because, you know, back in the day when we were sitting there rocking and nursing, you would read these books on maybe how to how to become a great parent. But now you have to have all the visuals and all of these images on Pinterest with these beautiful nurseries, beautiful outfits. I mean, just what you have to, you know, the standards of our, of our culture. And, uh, do you, as you're, you know, leading in ministries and obviously you're dealing with these new moms, especially in Sedona, do you, do you find yourself, um, having to have that as a challenge, I guess is what I'm saying to really tell them you have to walk away from this guilt and all of these high standards and, truly seek God and be you, the best you as a mom that you can be. Yeah, certainly. I I think that comes with um, a little bit of age, you know, and I'm not a young spring chicken. I'm not old, but I'm not a young spring chicken anymore. And I have learned to, you know, just extend a little bit more grace and, and lo- lower the standards maybe a little bit. Not that good, you know, quality standards don't matter, but you know, these perfectionistic standards certainly are not what God calls us um, to live by and to imprison ourselves in. So it is really encouraging um, to look at new moms and to see to see their effort. You watch them strive, like, and I can look back and remember, you know, striving so hard to, especially in the church scene as a pastor's wife, feeling like I was in, you know, under the microscope and everybody was watching me and how I was going to raise this baby and um, if I was going to take him out, if he was crying in church or, you know, all of those sorts of things. And now I just look at new moms with little babies and I just smile. And there's this, this overwhelming um, love and compassion and I don't have the standards for them like I, maybe I did for myself. But understand the struggle um, of where they're at and try to just love them and encourage them. Um, I tried to stay away from the pointers as much as I can because I didn't even know there was an app for that. So I would definitely <laughs> not be the person <laughs> to ask about uh, baby advice at this stage of the game. 
<laughs> well, it, you know, it, it, the challenge, I think, a lot of times is, is learning, um, especially when we're talking about culture and, and church planning and motherhood and, and learning what, what it really is a priority, what are the non-negotiables, and what are the things that we can let go of, and then giving ourselves permission to let go of those. And I think that's part of, like, like you said, you know, we're, with, with even parenting, it's like sometimes it's like, you know what, is it okay that the room is messy? It's not perfect like we would do it. Mm-hmm. Or do we want to, is that the battle we want to win? And um, I think we have to just pick that and then be okay with that and encourage each other to be okay with that. We need, we need to give each other permission to be okay and to do that. Um, I want to kind of go back to, you know, you're in this new culture, you and your husband are come from the Midwest, you're in this culture and, and beautiful Sedona, that is, it's, it's kind of anything goes, you know, all roads lead to, yeah. and, um, and then you're coming in and I, I can't help but think going back into, you know, the Bible of Paul, you know, when he's looking at people and, you know, the unknown God and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's just learning how, like, even with your kids to, um, to relate and to impact culture without it impacting and changing you. And that that's yeah. a hard thing to do, especially it's one thing for it's hard for us ourselves, but then it's hard to lead our children through that. Do you have some advice that you would give other other women in ministry or not in ministry of like how do I help my children? Because our children are in a different culture that's foreign to a lot of our values and principles that go with the teachings of Jesus. And you know, whether it's um, you know, really more blatant, like where you're living, or it's just the values. How did, how have you found that has helped you to just lead your children through that? Boy, um, I think for us, I'll, uh, I'm typically pretty transparent, so I'm pretty transparent here. When we first moved here, I think I was pretty jaded. Um, and and very opinionated, so rooted in how I saw faith lived out, how I thought a Christian should act and look um, and speak in one manner, that I clung to that, and I began to look at culture that was, you know, opposite or different than me with um, some uh, just unkindness maybe or lack of understanding because of my ignorance but over a course of time you begin to embrace the culture and I lead my kids to embrace the culture as what it is to recognize it that this is legit like this isn't going away this is where people really are this is what they know and when you begin to see people in that place where they're Maybe they're worshiping a different God, or they're far from God, or maybe they're raising their kids and they've never heard about Jesus and the, and the love that he has. If you can look at people that way first, then it's much easier to tolerate and then build a relationship with them to be able to speak truth. And so, I honestly, I had to overcome some judgmentalism, and then I had to leave my kids through that because we were very rooted and I don't mean that Midwest living is bad or it's it's awesome. I couldn't be who I am today without my Midwest roots and that solid Christian foundation. But my kids also, we had kind of been entrenched in that world, and they needed to come out and see that Christianity isn't so uptight. It's actually very freeing. And when you begin to live in the love of Jesus and you look at people the way God sees them and you you see them 
I just another one of his children who they, they're lost, then you can love them well. And so I've watched my kids kind of let their hair down a little bit, relax in this culture, um, be able to sit and rub shoulders with people that don't agree with the same things they agree, but they can love them, I think, the way Jesus would love them. And for that, that you know, I'm really proud gift. of them. Yeah, that is a huge gift to give your kids and for mm-hmm. you to have that we can agree to, to disagree and I can still love you without judging you. And that's what we're seeing so much. It's like, if you don't agree with me, you're wrong. And we just automatically right. default to that instead of going, you know what, let's, um, let's figure this out together. And you're not a bad person. I'm not a bad person because we disagree, but where do we share something in common here? And from that place, build the relationship. Um, and, and I, I think that's a great thing to teach our kids. I love what you said about um, loving them even through their mistakes and accepting their Mm -hmm. mistakes and modeling the apology. I think there's a lot right there to hold on to as a parent. And those are such great tips, Michelle, because so many times all we're going to do is we, we throw the guilt on them if they've made a mistake rather than saying, what did you learn from this? And this is a part of your story and God's going to, to use this. I mean, obviously having, you know, biblical standards that hopefully they are going to have that be a part of their heart story and, and make those good choices. But I love that. And then modeling the apology because we don't have it all figured out. Yeah. Well, and, and if you can teach, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I'm lastly, <laughs> okay, you're it. <laughs> All right, I'll be it real quickly. I was going to say, you know what? If if you can lead your kids to a place where they can learn to say they're sorry and embrace their mistakes as a part of their story, then as a mom, you also get the freedom to say, "Man, when they messed up, that wasn't my fault either." Like it frees you from that guilt because oftentimes we put on guilt on ourselves if our kids make mistakes. We think it's our fault. But when you embrace it as part of their story. Michelle, we're going to have to say thank you so much for joining our show. That's that's all we've got. You're listening to Girlfriend It Radio. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the 